Welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. Whether you like to fish, enjoy talking about fishing, or just enjoy the fishing lifestyle, this is the podcast for you. So go grab yourself a cold drink or a hot cup of coffee, sit back, start tying up some fishing rigs, and enjoy the show. Well, hello, folks. Welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. I hope you're having a good day, whatever day it is that you happen to be listening to the podcast. I'm not sure what number we're up to. Uh, I know we're above 30 and below 50. My plan is to uh, add them up here at some point, keep track of them, and see when we hit number 50, do a little celebration. Don't know what I'm going to do. I may do a dance. You won't be able to see it. You'll be able to hear it. Stuff may break. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something for it. But uh, it's been fun so far, and uh, I am enjoying it and plan to uh, expand things a little bit here going into 2020. And uh, just going to increase some of the uh, guests that we have on here. That seems to be very enjoyable for people, and they like that. I enjoy talking with people more than I like hearing myself talk, so... That could be good, and uh, yeah, we'll just kind of take it from there and see what happens. Uh, again, it's all fishing over here in this world. I do have uh, a new YouTube channel. Um, the uh, You may or may not have seen this, uh, but if you subscribe to my YouTube channel on uh, Dieter Melhorn Fishing, you know that, well, it's fishing. It's fishing content, and everything I put up on there is fishing has been. had a little bit of hunting stuff on there, and... Uh, I, uh, it doesn't do real well just because, well, it's Dieter Melhorn fishing, not Dieter Melhorn hunting, but I do like creating the content because most of it's done with my family and, uh, it's good memories, but also some good information to share with hunters and people out there, uh, just to, uh, get good information out there to people. So what I did was created another channel, Time in the Stand is the name of it. So go check it out, subscribe to it if you're into the hunting world, uh, it's going to be hunting. It's going to be other stuff that's just kind of outdoor uh, land-based stuff. Uh, my product reviews and that kind of stuff I'm going to put up there. Uh, some of the uh, you know stuff that's not specific to fishing I'm going to put on there. So, yeah, go check it out. Time in the stands on YouTube. But uh, other than that, it's, uh, it's wintertime. We're coming into winter here. Uh, you know, it's post-Christmas. Uh, we're into the new year, into the grind of winter. A lot of you guys are sitting in snow, sitting in ice, and uh, you know, here in the southeast, we're still uh, we're still trudging along. We're complaining because it's cold, and down in the twenties and the thirties, and I know other parts of the country is getting their teeth kicked in. So uh, we feel for you guys, but uh, you know, we're still fishing, and uh, <clears throat> for a lot of the country, they're still fishing. Uh, you know understand that you know your access to water may be limited uh because of snow ice that kind of thing but uh we don't ice over most of the country doesn't so uh you guys in the extreme north you guys in minnesota you guys in michigan uh upper illinois you can live vicariously through us for now and uh we'll just tell you how the fishing is the good news is it's not like super duper fishing in the winter but you can catch good fish and you can catch big fish in the winter and um, it's a good time to target big fish if you're doing since the bite's not really super duper great for a lot of numbers in the dead of winter it's a good time in my opinion to target big fish and that's what i end up doing a lot of times so if you're going to do that well guess what you need to have some bait and that's kind of what i'm going to talk about today is keeping bait alive um, i've got 
several videos on my YouTube channel about this. And, uh, you know, y'all can go check those out if you want to see some of this stuff. I'm going to talk about it. Some of the different options out there. Uh, and then you go, hey, I want to do this. Go back and check the videos out. So, and all those videos are on my website, DieterMelhornFishing.com, or at least there's a link to the YouTube channel there. So, uh, if you have not been to my YouTube channel, that's the best thing to do is go to my website. And uh, it's also the best way to contact me. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions about this podcast, go to DieterMelhornFishing.com. There's a contact section on there uh, where you can reach out to me, send me an email. There are links to YouTube and the other social media stuff. There's a list of all the gear that I use. And uh, yeah, so that's the best way to get a hold of me and reach out to me. Um, but yeah, bait, uh, the good news, the good thing is, if you can catch bait this time of the year, you can keep it alive fairly easy outside of skipjack. Now, you guys that are fishing in skipjack waters, uh, you're, you're, yeah, you know how skipjack are. They're just impossible to keep alive. But if you are trying to keep gizzard shad, uh, bluegill, uh, white perch, white bass, any of those, if you're trying to keep those alive, stored in a tank that you want to use for bait, uh, even crappie, where you can use crappie legally. I know they can do it in Tennessee. We can do it here in North Carolina. You can keep them alive. I've got a, about a 125-gallon tank here at the house that I keep running in the winter. And I've got it probably overstuffed with fish right now. I've got a lot in there. Uh, I try to do about one fish per gallon, and uh, I've probably got I've got a lot in there. Well, I try to do less than one fish per gallon, but uh, I do that for like the shad, the smaller stuff. But I got bigger fish in there now, so I usually try to do about a third or a fourth of that. Uh, and I've got a, a bunch in there. I've probably got four or five dozen fish in uh, in that tank right now. So. It's a bunch of them. They're easy to keep alive. Lower water temperatures is part of it. Uh, there's less chance of bacteria and growth and stuff, uh, fin rot, that kind of thing, in the wintertime because of the lower water temperatures. Uh, it's just easier, much easier to keep alive. Metabolic rate is down on most of these fish, though. Uh, they'll stay alive for a long time. So, honestly, these fish in here, I will keep these things. Uh, what I don't use... Uh, you know, I'll use them periodically on every fishing trip, but they will stay alive for weeks, uh, even months. I will have fish all the way up until my Daytona trip in mid to late February if I don't go through the ones that are in there, if I don't cycle through them. So uh, fish are very easy to keep alive this time of the year uh, if you have a home tank. But here's some tips uh, just to keep in mind if you have one of those tanks. The first thing is aeration is great tank has to have our aeration plain and simple that's basically infusing oxygen into the water water does not oxygenate at a high enough rate on its own uh without some type of mechanical infusion of oxygen that's a whole bunch of big old words but basically what it means is you got to put pump air into the water and you do that. Uh, I do it with something very simple and something you get at a pet store, and that's just one of the aerators that you get from a pet store. There are commercial ones out there. You can find them. Uh, I will probably try to do a video on this and put some links to them. I don't have them right now, but you can buy these at a pet store. Uh, my advice is to buy the biggest one that you can afford, and uh, uh, that's what I did. I've got one that has double hoses coming off of it. Uh, these uh, retail available ones are generally... Uh, they're going to have a limited life, to be perfectly honest. They're very affordable, but they're also only going to last for so long. So you'll end up having to replace these things every two, three, four years. Uh, 
if you get them to last that long. The commercial ones, uh, the more expensive ones that you will not find in a pet store or it will be a high-end pet store. Uh, maybe even one that is specifically designed just for aquatic pets. Uh, one of those, you can actually replace some of the things that go wrong. Usually what happens on these things is there's like a little diaphragm in there. Uh, those end up going bad, and that's where some of the problems come from. You can replace some of the actual pump part in some of these, uh, but they're going to be considerably more expensive. you got to be really serious about having a lot of bait to use something like that. Now, if you're running a two, three, four hundred gallon tank and you want to keep a bunch of it, possibly consider selling it, that's probably what you're going to want to go with. And you're going to have to invest some money to do that. But my point is, I keep a lot of bait here at the house. I generally don't catch bait the day I go fishing. And the ones that I buy from the pet store or from Walmart work sufficiently. And I use their air stones too. What you'll have is a piece of tubing, almost looks like a piece of clear medical tubing, pumps air from the pump into the tank, into what they call an air stone. It is a uh, synthetic material that looks like a rock that has tiny little holes in it. That is what helps break these air bubbles up into small molecules that will more readily dissolve into the water that's in the tank. Now, air stones, you can buy the same place and get them at Walmart even. Uh, the one thing with air stones is they do make a better one just like all this stuff they make some good ones they make some high-end ones there are some air stones that are 50 60 70 80 dollars a piece and these things are so good and the oxygen bubbles are so fine that it almost looks like it is spraying milk into the tank but the one i have it sprays oxygen in there bubbles come up you know and a bubbly mist coming up through there and you know it it works it keeps the fish alive the high-end ones, uh, it honestly looks like milk going into the water. Those water molecules are so fine, and that really helps with getting those oxygen molecules into the water. So you're going to need that. The other thing you're going to need is some type of pump and some type of filtration. Uh, basically what this does is it sucks the water into it, goes through a filter, pumps it back out, keeps everything circulating so that it's not stagnant, takes water. Because a lot of times you'll have fish congregate at one end of the tank. It may be the tank where your aeration is or whatever you have in it. And it keeps the water circulating. What I do is I have, and you'll see all this in the videos that I have on YouTube, I have basically a pond pump. If you have a pond at your house uh, and you have a little fountain or, you know, you've got water circulating, it's one of these that you can buy at Lowe's. The... Pretty affordable, uh, comes with a box, comes with a pump, comes with some filter media, and it basically, you submerge it into the tank, and it sucks the water into that filter box. Uh, the pump pumps it out through a hose, and then I have the hose run up spraying back into the tank. Uh, that filters the water, gets all of the biomass accumulated in one place into that filter media, and in that place, organisms and stuff can grow that break it down and go through the biological process that you need going on in the water to keep it pure instead of just having it all out there strung throughout the, throughout the tank. Uh, this adds some aeration, uh, creates kind of a sprayer bar effect. Sprayer bars are not the most effective way to infuse water, but this will help. And uh, it keeps it circulating. So those are two things that you're going to need. Uh, obviously, you're going to need a tank, and that's going to vary just depending on uh, what your finances are and what you have access to and, you know, if you have room for it somewhere. Uh, one thing I do suggest with any tank is to put it in the shade. Not so much in the wintertime. It's not that much of a big deal now. 
But come summertime, spring, when that temperature start going up, that sunlight starts hitting that tank, especially if you do not have it covered or if it has clear sides on it, that will that sunlight will create algae growth. And uh, that algae can have a bad effect on the whole, or for me, I, I, at least I think it does, uh, because my fish die when that starts happening. So uh, it, it's, it complicates the biological process, I guess is the best way to describe it. So I like to keep it in the shade. I keep mine covered. Keeping it covered serves two reasons. One, it keeps sunlight off of it. Two, it can, depending on what kind of cover, mine is like a foam insulated board cover, can keep it warm, keep it cold. The biggest thing is, uh, depending on where you live, uh, you may have cats or raccoons that decide they want to go in there and eat your fish. And uh, I have seen that happen with raccoons. We have raccoons here. We're kind of surrounded by woods, and uh, the raccoons will make their nightly walk through here. And if that tank is not covered, they will sit on the edge of it and catch dinner and that's all fun and games until one of them falls in the tank, which inevitably happens. Then you have this nasty, dirty mess uh, that lines <laughs> the edge of the tank. I can tell when one has fallen in it every time because uh, they basically get a bath and then they start thrashing around in there and then they get out. So, uh, so yeah, that's the purpose. This the second purpose to the lid. Biggest thing is just to keep sunlight off of it. I think it just helps to keep that off. But uh, different tanks, different sizes. Uh, I like one that mine is one like you would see in a bait store. If you were in an area that sold minnows uh, for uh, crappie fishing, uh, one of those big blue tanks, one of those big long fiberglass tanks. I have one of those. I was lucky enough to have find a guy that was closing the store down and was throwing it out, and I carried it off for him. Uh, didn't carry it to the dump. I carried it to the house, and I've been using it for bait for many years. And uh, the thing I like about those style is is that it's shallow enough that you can reach into and access very easily. I've seen some of the people use some of the big uh, container tanks that are, are plastic and inside of like the wire cage. The problem is with those things is they're very deep and hard to access. That would be the downside. You'd almost need something smaller than that or do some modifications to it. I suggest that anything you get is, you know, three feet, three feet deep at the most. That way you can get into it with a dip net and get your bait out very easily and access them. So uh, that's that's my suit. As far as size goes, it's really whatever you think you can maintain. Obviously, uh, the bigger the tank the more maintenance is going to be involved and the more cost that's going to be associated with that just as far as equipment. Because you'll need bigger equipment, you'll need bigger pumps, you'll need bigger aeration. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things that kind of go, it scales up depending on what you're doing. You can start with something small, take you a plastic 55-gallon barrel, plastic barrels. There's a lot of those around. Uh, just make sure they're cleaned out thoroughly depending on what kind of chemicals they've had inside of them. And uh, you can cut the top third off of those things and have, you know, one that's probably 30, 40 gallons that will keep, you know, uh, bait for, you know, a normal weekend of fishing just fine. So uh, uh, there's a, that's kind of the, the, the rundown on what you'll need. Uh, make sure you put it in a place where you can drain it uh, because periodically you will have to clean the filter. You will want to swap the water out. And uh, mine is outside. It's, it's under a carport where my boat is parked, so it's easy to drain, easy to clean out. And uh, make sure you have water access to it, too. Make sure you can string a uh, garden hose to it to uh, put water into it. One thing I will say about the water, 
Water's going to vary for everybody, and you're going to have to figure out what works. Uh, if you live in the city and you have city water uh, that has been chlorinated, uh, you will probably need to let that aerate cycle and run for several days to burn off the chlorine that's in it. Uh, if you live in the country like I do and you have well water, uh, all well water is different. Uh, there are different concentrations of different minerals and everything in it and magnesium and sulfur and everything else that you will hopefully need to burn out of that too. And I say burn out, that's just from it being able to aerate and run and cycle. So, uh, you know, generally what I do is I put the water in there. I like to, I like to, I let mine run for a day. Most of the time I can, I let it run and oxygenate for a day before I put bait into it. So, that's uh that's kind of my approach to it. Again, if you have, you know, chlorinated water, let it run for a couple of days. Kind of the same thing you do with like a fish tank, uh, an aquarium at home. Uh, there are treatments you can do if you really want to get into that. But uh, I've just, it's a lot to figure out and hit that balance. The other thing that will happen with your water is as it runs, as it runs for a while, as it has fish in it, it will start to build up bacteria and stuff that's in the filter and that will start part of the biological process that helps stabilize the whole tank and gets it kind of to that balance point. So uh, adding salt is something else you can do. I add salt to mine. Basically, I buy the bags of salt that they sell to put as water softener. Uh, some places sell it to put out on driveways and that kind of stuff. And uh, I put several handfuls of that stuff directly on top of my filter when I put new water in it. Put it directly on top of the filter grate on there, and it basically comes across there, dissolves it, uh, and circulates it throughout the tank. Uh, it's the easiest way. You can scatter it on the bottom, however you want to do it. That salt seems to help with fish scales, uh, eliminating what they call fin rot. That's basically when the fins start to fall apart on the fish. And uh, just put some nutrients and stuff in there that... that generally will help any fish that you put in there. You don't want to turn it into salt water, but uh, some mild uh, salination of the water will definitely help your fish so that's something else to add to it. So uh, that's uh, that's about everything I do on my bait tank. Uh, it seems like a lot. It's really not. It's just some little things that you kind of figure out as you go. Biggest thing is I tell people, don't fill a tank with water and then throw fish in it. Uh, you've got to let things kind of get right. Uh, before you do that so if you're planning on keeping some bait you're planning on going fishing this weekend go and get your tank and everything set up now get it running get it oxygenated uh, and let it cycle and kind of get stable and then put some bait in it play around with it a little bit uh, you know just to, to see how much bait it'll take uh, you know rule of thumb is you can keep a lot more bait in the winter than you can in the summer uh, when it gets hot 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 uh, water temperature gets up to the 80s it's it's hard to keep bait it's uh shad will become virtually impossible to keep uh, for any period of time uh, you know different species will do better bluegill will do way better than white perch will and i'm sure the same thing applies to white bass uh, some fish are very hardy. One of the fish that I found was uh, spotted bass. Uh, we can catch those on Lake Norman and keep them any size. They make great catfish bait, perfectly legal to do it. As long as you meet the uh, length and krill limits, those fish live a long time, a long, long time. Uh, the other one is shell crackers, uh, red ear sunfish, whatever you want to call them. Shell crackers are very tolerant of uh, of of just living a long time. If, if the tank starts to go bad, starts to go south, as I call it, uh, the shell crackers will live a long time. So you'll get to play around a little bit and kind of see what works and, you know, what works in your tank. But, you know, the uh, like I said, the big thing is, if you plan to do it, let it aerate, let it get some oxygen in it for a couple of days. 
and uh, to burn out any of the chemicals and stuff in there. So hopefully that's some good information if you decide to keep some bait this winter. Uh, I'm telling you, if you can get out there and catch it in the afternoon when it's nice and warm and sunny uh, and put it in a tank, it's so much nicer than having to catch that stuff when it's uh, 28 degrees in the morning, especially if you're throwing a cast net or anything like that. So uh, just some little tips and stuff. Uh, if you have any suggestions, comments, like I said, go to my website, DieterMillhornFishing.com. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, send me an email or something on there and, uh, it's the best place to reach out, me, reach out to me. And I love hearing the feedback, love hearing the ideas that keeps me motivated and keeps me going. And, uh, yeah, that's it for now, guys. Uh, I hope you have a good winter. Try to stay warm and we'll catch you on the water.